Backcountry issues in the Revelstoke area have come to the fore over the past year, including the Mount Begbie issue uh, prompted by a development group's interest in building a small luxury heli lodge on Revelstoke's iconic local mountain. Uh, the Woodland Mountain Caribou issue prompted by a federal species at risk order to take action on caribou conservation and the issue of land use planning in our backcountry uh, due to conflicts arising from growing use uh, and a desire to shape the future of mountainous uh, backcountry terrain around Revelstoke. I'm on the phone with Doug Donaldson, the BC Minister of Forest Lands Natu and Natural Resource Operations and Rural Development, and we're here to talk about Mount Begbie, the mountain caribou herd planning process, and calls for land use planning in Revelstoke. Minister Donaldson, thanks for taking some time to join me today. Well, thanks, Aaron. Uh, really happy to be on the program. Okay, great. So uh, let's start out with Mount Begbie. So in September of last year, developers presented plans at a public meeting in Revelstoke for a small upscale heli lodge on Mount Begbie, uh, the iconic mountain that everyone can see out their window here in Revelstoke, leading to opposition, a petition, and eventually to you receiving requests from local and regional government and other groups for protection plans. So it's important to note there's been no formal application yet to government by this uh, development group. So I want to ask for your thoughts, um, but to summarize your response that came from these letters, it said, sorry, but you're in, the government is engaged in other land use plans. It doesn't have the resources right now. So I'm seeking your thoughts and any updates on the Mount Begbie file. Sure, uh, no problem. And of course, uh, there's a couple of topics there, Mount Begbie specifically and land use planning in general. Uh, I understand how iconic <laughs> Mount Begbie is for the citizens of Revelstoke and as well as uh, for visitors. I spent a decade in the 80s uh, living in Field, uh, BC, to step the road from Revelstoke and, and pass through often and, and really understand how that viewscape and the uh, just the iconic nature of Mount Begbie is uh, front and center in people's minds in Revelstoke. So yeah, you're right. Uh, there have been uh, uh, plans presented to the public uh, most recently in uh, the fall. Uh, from what I understand, the, uh, the proponent or the, the, perhaps not the proponent, but the person presenting those public plans is, is no longer associated with the project. But you're right. Uh, as far as uh, the provincial government goes, we have not received uh, any kind of formal applications for development on Mount Begbie. And uh, I want to assure people living in and around uh, Revelstoke that uh, we take land use planning very seriously. So uh, I know that people uh, are very uh, attuned to uh, potential development plans. As I said, we haven't received anything uh, formally. Uh, but I also understand that people uh, really want uh, to engage in some kind of certainty around uh, the future of, of, of development on, on Mount Begbie. Mm -hmm. So many local residents think that the lodge plan is pretty beyond the pale, given you know what you just mentioned, the, the symbolic uh, meaning for of the mountain for residents. But you know, in the past, we did see you know Jumbo Glacier Resort, uh, much much bigger uh, project, drag on for you know a quarter of a century. Um, you know, from the government's point of view, is is if this comes forward in a formal application proposal. Uh, is this a starter? Well, uh, in the sense that there is a 
predictable public process uh, under the Land Act for any kind of development on uh, Crown land. And so uh, when an application comes in, then uh, there's a full uh, process that kicks in to make sure that, uh, you know, various aspects of uh, public uh, interest are, are represented in that process. So, uh, so that is uh, something that's solid in the Land Act. It's, uh, it's transparent. Uh, and I think what people are, are looking for from what uh, I can uh, read through articles you've uh, written, as well as uh, letters from regional district and, and the mayor, uh, is that people want uh, something a little larger than that uh, around all considerations before uh, specific proposals are considered under the Land Act. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I was going to talk about Mountain Caribou second, but maybe I can jump ahead since it's sort of appropriate to what we're talking about to the land use planning part of it. So over the past, you know, five or seven years, there's been, you know, many local organizations who have showed interest, uh, you know, including, you know, environmental groups, backcountry recreation groups, bikers, letters in land use planning. Um the coalition has, you know, come and gone, sort of changed and been fluid over the years. But, um, you know, the call is to deal for ever-growing backcountry land use uh, conflicts and, you know, set a sustainable path for the future. Um, the provincial government uh, has been, you know, invited here to sort of engage in this. Why not take this opportunity now from the provincial government perspective? Can you sort of share what you're seeing and what the path forward is on, on these desires? Oh, for sure. I, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, the last five to seven years. Uh, what we've seen is an incredible pent-up demand uh, in the province for land use planning because of the uh, certainty it brings uh, on the land base around which activities are uh, seen as acceptable uh, locally and, and regionally. And, you know, that pent-up demand is there uh, because under the previous government, uh, land use plan had not been uh, considered uh, for over eight years. Uh, the, the last one uh, under the previous government was the Atlan Taku uh, land use plan, which happened to be um, in the constituency I represent in the very far northwest corner of the province. Uh, but it was uh, it was eight years uh, before the changing government. So it was around 2011, 2012 that that uh, was the last significant land use plan undertaken. And so, as I said, and as you said, there was, you know, pent up demand uh, for land use planning. In my mandate letter from the premier, uh, the, uh, the the land use modernizing the land use planning process in connection with uh, the Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation was one of the bullet points uh, with a focus and acknowledgement that uh, many Indigenous uh, nations in BC had not been involved in land use planning before. So uh, that was the focus. Those were my uh, the marching orders, and uh, that was part of what was in our platform. So. The approach we've been taking is to uh, consult, uh, engage with uh, First Nations and regions uh, to determine uh, what their uh, priorities are for land use planning. Now, we have uh, put $16 million over uh, three years to uh, land use planning, and now we have uh, approximately an $8 million spend each year, uh, beginning this year, uh, which is the last year of that $16 million budget, to actually conduct land use planning. So I would say that um, 
uh, the uh, the answer is not no. We're not doing land use planning around uh, Mount Bigby and and the larger interests around the Revelstoke area. It's just uh, not yet because of the uh, pent up uh, um, pent up you know. Uh, uh, desires for land use planning. So uh, definitely uh, it'll be, I know that there's a lot of conflicting um, ideas around uh, use of the land base uh, in the region and, and there's a lot of um, uh, coming together of people as well. So uh, it's not that we're not uh, going to do one and we're just not going to do one uh, right at this time. Yeah. In your response letter to the regional government, the Columbia Shushwap Regional District, you did say, you know, you're engaged with the Columbia Valley Recreation Access Management Plan, Golden Backcountry Recreation Management Plan, uh, uh, Jumbo Indigenous Protective Conserved Area, um, Southeast Wildlife Corridor quarter as well so uh sort of a two-part question the first is you know is there a timeline on when you know these ongoing processes will or uh, the process will come to the revelstoke area and the second part of the question that i want to touch on is you know how important is you know getting indigenous stakeholders on board uh with this process and from a local perspective what can be done here to you know help uh you know start the conversation and and build a basis for these types of plan moving forward within that context yeah great question i i would say and that list that you just uh put out there uh, just in in that region of the province is uh i think uh, typifies that we've accomplished a lot but there's a lot more to do um you know as as uh, highlighted by people in Revelstoke and the, and the Mount Bigby issue. Now, land use planning takes, uh, can take a lot of forms and have a lot of, um, I guess, uh, different aspects that create an overall land use plan. And you mentioned uh, some of the recreational access management uh, planning processes that are ongoing in, the, in Columbia, uh, uh, River Valley, and in Golden. Um, and then there's the. I think we're going to be. I know we're going to be talking about uh, caribou herd management. That's uh, that's another aspect of uh, land use plan. So, uh, you know, I, I've read the letters. I've read the material that have. Um, and I will be talking to local government uh, about the desires. And and you know, understandably, people have different um, perceptions of land use planning. Uh, some of it is. Uh, recreational access management planning, others as a protection plan. So um, so it's not that uh, these things aren't happening and, and the caribou uh, herd management is an example of that. It's not as if uh, elements of a overall land use plan aren't already happening in, in the Revelstoke area. I would say uh, um, advice-wise, uh, we uh, as a ministry um, uh, get on board around a recreation access uh, management plan when there's a, a group uh, of local people uh, with, uh, uh, um, I guess, a, a wide spectrum of interests uh, uh, request uh, that kind of 
planning process to get started. So we support uh, that once those requests come in, and and, it, uh, and that's, a, uh, I would say, an excellent place uh, to begin as well, and, and including um, and ensuring that, that uh, any uh, Indigenous interests are, are part of that request. Okay, great. So I want to transition into Mountain Caribou. Uh, we're in the woods here, and everything's related, so it's a good, good segue <laughs> into this. So on the Mountain Caribou file, the, the BC government is currently engaged in the herd planning process where staff from various agencies are you know, working on future plans on local individual herds on the ground. So th- throughout the caribou debates last year, the, this herd planning process has been described as you know, where the rubber hits the road uh, locally, um, making real plans for implementation. So the last major update was in April, uh, and the process has experienced COVID-19 setbacks like everything else. So what is happening on the ground? What is happening right now uh, with the herd uh, planning? Yes, you're right. The uh, I I don't want it to become an overused, uh, uh, I guess, uh, rationale. But uh, this is legitimate that the COVID nineteen pandemic uh, uh, did delay uh, public engagement and engagement around the herd planning process uh, for the for the herds in the Revelstoke area. So that uh, initial, uh, as you highlighted, uh, series of uh, sectoral engagements uh, began and. Um, and then had to um, take a break, I guess you'd say, because of the uh, concerns around uh, COVID-19. Uh, and our staff uh, assure me they'll begin again in September. So uh, we now know that you know we've got a uh, fairly stabilized population in the Caribou North area of Caribou, 147 at the last herd census. And uh, in the herd planning process, we, we had um, in signing the Section 11 agreement with the federal government uh, up to two years to complete the herd planning processes around BC. So uh, that agreement will be uh, coming up to a a year anniversary uh, pretty soon in in early next year. And so uh, the the herds around Revelstoke are a priority. And so we can anticipate that herd planning planning process being wrapped up uh, within the next 12 months for sure. Okay. So uh, mid-July, the uh, provincial government issued a media release noting $1.1 million in spending for seven uh, caribou habit- habitat uh, mitigation projects. Um, uh, one of them was a $33,000 grant to restore about 12 kilometers of road in the Big, Big Mouth Valley, which is up north of Revelstoke. So in the past, when I've talked to scientists sort of, sort of for, you know, back of the napkin costs for active restoration projects, hands-on things that we can do now, um, uh, they talk about things like, you know, Forest Service Road, uh, you know, re-sloping, uh, uh, decommissioning unused roadways, that kind of stuff. Focusing specifically on conservation projects like that, uh, what is your thought on the level of resources, you know, that we're putting towards this now? Are we, are we doing, doing enough fast enough? Uh, well, that's always... Uh, uh, uh an important topic is in government priorities. Uh, you know, you you mentioned uh, some of the funding that's come forward. Uh, we've committed 47 million over uh, five years to uh, implement our caribou uh, recovery program. Uh, 
Uh, and, you know, it's targeted in areas that'll, that'll make a difference. And obviously the, the herd's numbers stabilizing around Revelstoke uh, means that, uh, you know, we can do a lot of work there. Uh, I would say that um, some of the other, um, uh, that 47 million is, is just for the caribou recovery program, but a, a lot of the uh, funding that we have in the ministry for uh, working on um, forest health issues uh, will also uh, in, improve caribou habitat. So it's not simply the 47 million that we have under the caribou recovery program, uh, but it's uh, it's also kind of work that we're doing on uh, forest health in, in uh, other aspects of the ministry. I'd also say that, um, uh, you know, we need to do more and more needed to be done in the past. I mean, this, this issue has not just arisen uh, uh, in the last couple of years. It's been a, a long, slow decline. And uh, the federal government recognized that when they uh, implemented um, an order uh, of imminent uh, risk of, uh, of extirpation for uh, the southern mountain caribou herds back in, in 2018. So uh, we... we uh, renewed our focus under our government to, to address this head on. And, and we want to make the decisions around what you're talking about, around uh, restoration of habitat. We want to make the decisions around all the other tools we have at our disposal around recovery of caribou herds. We don't want those decisions uh, being made in Ottawa, which uh, there is a threat of under the Species at Risk Act because not enough was being done in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I wanted to read you something from the news headlines uh, mid-July. This was from the uh, Atlantic magazine. It was a headline that stated, a Canadian province killed 463 wolves for no good reason. So this stems from an ongoing science paper uh, conversation, dispute between different groups of scientists debating various conservation methods. Um, On June, uh, late in June, the BC Caribou Recovery uh, team sent out an update which noted that there had been 498 wolves, 13 cougars killed, uh, many of them sort of in the southern parts of uh, woodland caribou habitat, including the greater Revelstoke area. Um, I'm wondering uh, your thoughts on this article. Did government respond to that? And can you discuss uh, government policy related to the predator management method and observations on whether this intervention is working or not or how it's working? Uh, yeah, we did respond and responded in, I think, uh, the best way possible is that we uh, asked scientists within the ministry to uh, uh, speak uh, publicly and, and um, <clears throat> respond to media requests. And, you know, uh, I think that's a, a great way to go because uh, they're the ones who uh, understand the science the best and we make science-based decisions. And uh, I think the agreement in uh, in this whole um different perspectives is that habitat restoration and protection is key to caribou recovery. Uh, however, the biologists uh, in our uh, ministry point out that uh, we still need to manage wolves in the near term uh, due to past impacts to habitat. So uh, this is uh, what's uh, been undertaken. And um, sometimes, as our, I'll just say, uh, short-term emergency action is needed because it takes time for habitat uh, to recover. So um, there's uh, evidence. Uh, I know that uh, 
there are, uh, the article you refer to is uh, is is referring to um, some scientists who took a, a look at uh, previous uh, studies and and modeled and forecasted uh, uh, um, uh, so their interpretation of that. But as our scientists point out. Um, they base the actions that uh, we've been taking on actual results and, and based on six years of data and, and four uh, caribou populations, uh, three of those four populations are a substantial increase uh, since the removal of wolves began. So that's, uh, those are actual results. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, you, I mean, you got a bit ahead of me. That's what I wanted to talk about next, which is common ground. So despite, you know, disagreements over some areas of the science, there is a, you know, a broad scientific consensus that long term ha- caribou recovery requires habitat conservation uh, and restoration because, you know, we're dealing with the legacy of a, a century of industrial logging and uh, disturbances on the land. And it takes, you know, the better part of a century to grow, you know, lichen rich forests that caribou, that are caribou habits, suitable caribou habitat. Um, so we're not just dealing with the chainsaws running today. It's, you know, what we did in the 40s and 50s and, and in the past. So in terms of the land use planning on the ground now in that light, what sort of caribou habitat conservations conservation uh, specifically measures are being worked out in the Revelstoke area. Do you have in- anything to share right now? There's uh, ongoing work uh, in the engagement uh, with the sectoral interest that I described earlier that's part of the herd management plan. Uh, we have uh, high elevation and low elevation uh, protections for uh, herds uh, around uh, Revelstoke, uh, and then we have restoration work that's that's ongoing as well. Uh, I'd say that uh, part of the herd planning exercise is to uh, uh, have a, a deeper dive into those uh, into those habitat um, areas that are protected, uh, and uh, we've you know been monitoring uh, now and based on science. Uh, uh, boundaries uh, may need to be readjusted. Sometimes uh, boundaries aren't in the right place and, and that uh, protection can be uh, shifted. In other areas, the boundaries need to in- incorporate uh, more important habitat areas. So uh, that's the kind of work that, that's ongoing. Okay. So um, we're running up on our time limit here. I just want to follow up sure. with one question to, to follow on that. So the, the forest harvesting and, and manufacturing industry is a pride and joy of Revelstoke. And an economic backbone here, uh, for example, you know, supporting us uh, through the early tourism shutdown during COVID-19 uh, is a recent example. So Revelstoke has worked really hard to build, uh, you know, sustainability into, you know, forest products manufacturing. We're not a dimensional lumber based, uh, primarily dimensional lumber based Um and the, you know, the, the sector's been done what it's been asked of it, including, you know, diversifying, specializing uh, their products. Looking at the ongoing mountain caribou herd planning process, when you hear from industry leaders concerned about viability, what, what do you say to them, you know, when they say, you know, we're already dealing with constraints with take backs from earlier iterations of caribou planning or other conservation uh, uh, processes? What what when you have conversations about their path forward with them what do you say well i first of all i know we're running out of time but this is a pretty uh, exciting and interesting topic to me uh i 
my last actual site visit before uh, the pandemic really broke in BC was uh, to Downey uh, in, there in Revelstoke uh, just in early March. Uh, and so uh, I'm well aware of the diversity and the uh, all the aspects that are, are really impressive around uh, forestry activities in, in Revelstoke. I was also an early follower of the uh, Revelstoke Community Forest uh, way back when and I, I know that they extract uh, amazing amount of value out of uh, out of the forest for all sorts of um, uh, products including uh, uh, musical instruments so uh, you know the the uh, the mantra that we've been preaching on in the interior as a government is value over volume and I think that um, the businesses uh, that are reliant on forestry and Revelstoke are, are a great example of that mantra of value over volume. The log trading that goes on, the best use of the log uh, is, is, is really epitomized in, in how um, Revelstoke approaches forestry. So, so really uh, impressed by that. And, and uh, for sure, uh, we understand that um, uh, there's a timber harvesting land base and, and any uh, um, uh, removals of, of uh, from the timber harvesting land base does it impact the uh, volume available for all those value-added purposes. I would say uh, we're very uh, attuned to that uh, as we look at ensuring that there's uh, enough habitat uh, protection for caribou. Uh, and we're also attuned to the fact that um, the federal government under the Species at Risk Act can only focus on habitat. Uh, they don't have the socioeconomic um, uh, factors in their ability to consider uh, whether a habitat is being protected and consider whether caribou herds are recovering. So we don't want them to unilaterally impose anything on us, and we've got to demonstrate that uh, all the tools that we're using uh, are, are sufficient, and we believe they are for uh, caribou um, recovery uh, in the Revelstoke area. So we don't want a unilateral decision. Uh, we've got to demonstrate that the habitat is there, and we want the value-added uh, sector in the forestry around Revelstoke to uh, uh, keep really uh, contributing to the community. At this point, are you confident that you're going to be able to balance the pressure from the federal government uh, to bolster planning and also uh, come up with the supply necessary to maintain uh, the forest sector in Revelstoke? Well, uh, we, uh, we know that 17 groups have taken the federal government uh, to court around uh, implementing the Species at Risk Act around caribou. Uh, and uh, so uh, I feel confident in that we were able to sign a, what's called a Section 11 agreement under the Species at Risk Act. That, uh, and that's where the herd planning jointly between Canada, BC and communities uh, process has stemmed from. So uh, when I see that happening, I, I, I believe that we can uh, manage uh, all the aspects together and, and still have a, a very viable uh, forest uh, industry that workers and communities depend on. <laughs> Doug Donaldson is the BC Minister of Forest, Lands and Natural Resource Operations and Rural Development. Uh, Minister Donaldson, I really do uh, value and appreciate your time uh, talking about these important uh, local hot topics today. Thanks, Aaron, and I uh, hope to get back to Revelstoke soon. Thank you so much.